Hi, Signature Associates and friends. Welcome to the Signature Edge Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you design an uncommon and impactful career in the business of healthcare. Together, we are making a difference for our clients by lowering the rising costs and administrative burdens associated with great care. Engage with us as we spotlight big ideas to discover an uncommon you through leadership, teamwork, and focus on the healthcare industry. Think deeply, commit fully, and take yourself to the next level of performance. Well, welcome back, everyone, to Signature Edge. I am here today with my co-host, Chris Woodhouse. Chris, how are you doing? Hello, Mark. Hello, everybody. And Amy Hennings. Amy, welcome to the show. Hi, Mark. It's great to be here. Well, it is good to gather again. And as we get on this week, it's been a fast-paced week here at Signature Performance, full of learning and things that are moving forward. Uh, what's your week been like? Kind of let's check in real quick. So I know how are we doing as we approach this podcast? Well, last week I was on vacation. So this week I'm doing last week's work and this week's work. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Lots Chris. of fun. <laughs> uh, where'd you go for vacation? Uh, we went on a cruise to the Southern Caribbean. Ooh, lots of fun. Nice. That sounds amazing. Yeah, get to see a bunch of new places. I was in Curacao, I was in Aruba, Dominican Republic, just enjoying the warmth and the beauty of the beaches there. Need any blacksmiths while you're down in the in the islands? No blacksmiths, no. Maybe next time. <laughs> yeah. Actually, what the your best hobby? Probably be, did Chris pick up a new hobby while he was Exactly. <laughs> not not yet. <laughs> Yeah, his wheels are turning. Amy, what about you? Mark, I had a great week last week because I got to go to the biggest experience conference in the world. And you and I both got to experience that. And we came back with a notebook full of just really big thought-provoking takeaways. And I'm still trying to like process it page by page to make sure we soak up everything that we learned and can apply it to our work every day. Because I got to tell you, there's a lot, the, the workplace is really disrupted right now. And I think that it's just a really fascinating time to study experience, especially experience in the workplace. Yeah, I, I agree. And and what a what an awesome opportunity to attend that. Um, you know, that X4 conference um, continues to inspire me in different ways. Amy, when you think about it, what rose to the surface? If we could give one or two of the highlights, what, what would that be for you? Um, for me, I think the future of the workplace is in a bit of a, I think we had one speaker that said it was a, in a reset. And I think that that's really interesting. Really disruption a lot of times happens it, within the, the younger generations as they start entering the workforce. And so now we have Gen Z entering the workforce, which is going to be, a, they just are really different than the boomers or the Gen Xers. And I think it's just going to be a really fascinating of what work is going to look and feel like over the next five to 10 years. And I, I, I think it's just fascinating to study and watch. I think the other thing is, I think a, empathy was a word that got used all the time. I think in 2020, it was a lot of sympathy. Like, I feel bad you're in this spot. I feel bad that you're stuck at home. I feel bad for this. Now it's, you better understand the the road I'm walking and make sure you're leading me in that way with, with deep understanding. And I think empathy is something that is can be taught. 
And I think the more we sit and look at how we're teaching empathy, and you know, a lot of times people say it's a soft skill, but I think it's their their argument was it's a hard skill and it's a critical skill in business in order to build partnerships and to build bridges in order to get the most important work done. And so I think that is the deeper dives into that empathy is really, really interesting as well. Yeah, I would say that that presentation that Johnny Taylor, who's the CEO of SHRM, which is the professional network for human resource, uh, really struck a chord with me as well, especially when he talked about expectations versus reality. And, and part of what we're struggling with organizationally is, and in experience as a general rule, are organizations meeting the expectations of the workforce coming on board? And he really broke it down into some drivers and some other things, but the statistic that he gave on a huge survey that that Sherm put out, it said that most of the younger generation entering the workforce for the very first time have an expectation of a salary requirement of about $110,000. And I, I sat back, I said- Which everyone Whoa. could see Chris Woodhouse's eyes when you said that, <laughs> <laughs> having not heard yeah. this before. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and so then, and, and then Johnny just said, but the reality is more like 50. He said, it's just, it's not the, the expectation versus the reality is just a little bit there. And so the organizations who can get their mind around that and can understand, and then he went in and, and there's hope. And I think it ties into today's discussion because then he started talking about different drivers beyond that, that really helps solidify what makes a great place to work. And, and so I'm really excited about the topic today as we kind of get into some of the lessons that we learned, because I think experience management, I think of, of our workforce in healthcare, I think of healthcare delivery, it's all about connection. And connection's all about what's the expectation I have coming in and what's being delivered to me and how can we authentically push that forward so that we're making sure that what we say we are, we are, and what we say we aren't, we aren't. And so I find it really interesting as, as we kind of uh, kind of start to unpack some of these topics. I think it's interesting and is how willing some organizations are to do the bait and switch, right? Or dangle a carrot for these potential recruits. And then they come into expecting one thing and they get the bait and switch and yes. it instantly erodes the trust that they have in the organization that they are now a part of. It's just so damaging. How do you recover from that as an organization? I, I don't know that, that you can in the long run without changing your approach to bringing people in. We've been doing um, some interviewing for some positions we have uh, on the Claims XM team and just talking to folks about what is it they're looking for? What, what can we offer? And making sure that we're communicating very clearly what the opportunity is, but also what the future could hold, right? Like there are other places to go, but this is what we're hiring for in the here and now. And because it doesn't do anyone any good to bring someone in and give them something else, right? They get very resentful. They, they, they don't do a good job and they, don't, they aren't willing to learn. Uh, they come in, they close their minds, which is very very damaging from a, a standpoint for everybody involved. There was a term that Johnny threw out there and, and it talks exactly what you're saying because there is a lot of over-promising happening right now and under-delivering and it's called the boomerang employee. And so he just challenged, he said, look, as organizations, you need a pattern of 30, 60, 90 days checking in because what they found, and Amy, and you might know the stat, I forgot what it was, but it was like 70% or so 
It was higher than 70% of the people regret leaving their current employer for that better opportunity because those promises aren't being made. And so he started a system of checking in at 30 days, checking in at 60 days and checking back in at 90 days. And just, just to say, how's it going? Are they meeting that? And that organizations who are going to thrive in the future are going to be a welcome mat for those associates who had been trained, who left and are now disappointed so that they can come back. I I found it absolutely fascinating and a little bit kind of disrupting my thought process on the whole thing of just saying, wow, how do we get more proactive on, on getting our talent back? He goes, only call back the people who are your stars. If you had a star that left, Mm. and call them at 30, 60, 90 days after they've left to make sure their new employer is is doing everything they said they would do. And I think that's an important distinction because you, you want to bring back people who are really adding value, not people who are right. more in the middle. I don't think it's worth the effort there, but it's 80% of people who left their job in the great resignation are now saying they regret it. It was not a good choice. And I think that that is, um, that is, that is a big stat because yeah. it's a great lesson and the grass is not always greener on the other side. It's a, I mean, it's a staggering statistic. I, I think though, the way I take that is it's really on me as a leader, when I'm writing a position description or I'm writing an offer letter or whatever it might be to make sure all the expectations are on paper and mm-hmm. we're reviewing those things together going, this is the job, right? You know, for us to, to maintain that level of integrity that we pursue as one of our core values here, it's to make sure that we don't have a bait and switch situation. Not that we would do it intentionally, but it's on us as leaders and hiring managers to make sure that it's very clear what, what's happening in, in that exchange. And Chris, that that is so incredibly wise. And one of the things that he did when we, we, you know, when Johnny was talking about the other drivers, right? He said, "Look, this expectation thing is abnormal." I mean, everyone in the audience kind of chuckled with that expectation of the next generation. Um, you watch; they'll hit it somehow because they're brilliant. It's going to be really fun to watch the workforce, you know, transform to their needs. But one of the things he said is that it used to be that people wanted job security. But now what they want is career development. And Chris, to to anchor on your point of being really clear about what the job is currently, but then also being very clear about what's possible. And oftentimes someone will want to join a situation where they'll start out here, but they're gaining the information, knowledge, and career development that they need so that they can, you know, move and aspire to something greater uh, down the road. Now, that doesn't mean necessarily move employer, but it does mean advance their skills and knowledge so that they can be a real proactive kind of take over their career. And the one thing that in this market, I think is really important, compensation often comes in the form of advanced knowledge and career development. And so at Signature, we put a lot of emphasis on our Emerging Leaders Program, on other avenues of really expressing how we can make sure our people are fully equipped to be the best at what they do today, and then be able to aspire for something tomorrow. The challenge to our our leaders here at Signature is this is something that we have to be focused on for our people, right? The people who report to us and to report to those who report to us in that you need to have a career path laid out for your team members, whether they're going to follow the path or not, that's on them to develop their skills, but there needs to be a path available for them. So on the claims XM side, 
I have it laid out for every one of our domains. These are our, our domains of expertise. And as you level up in these areas, these are new roles you can find yourself in. So I've created a vision for people on where they can go. Now, there's it, joint responsibility in them being Absolutely. able to get there, right? But the opportunity is there. And another lesson I learned the hard way is and man, managing expectations on timeframes, right? Yeah. We've, we've brought people in for a role that we needed them to be in for a year or two, and they wanted to move within three months. And it's like, no, that's 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 not what we need you for. Yes, that opportunity exists, but we still need you to, to ramp up and fulfill the need we currently have and then allow you to go into these others. So there's there's two sides to that of showing them where they can go, but also being very clear on when when and how long we need them in their current roles. Yeah, one of the courses that we have in Signature U uh, is on career pathing, and and we liken a career path not like the traditional corporate ladder where you climb, 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 and and a lot of mindset has been that. But again, I would say both the data and practical experience are saying it's it's more of a game of Tetris where it flows. We have seasons of things and seasons of learning, and that fullness of our career begins to be kind of underpinned in that. And one of the things, Amy, that you brought to the table during that discussion was this concept of development being being individually driven and corporately supported. Can you unpack that a little bit and what that means at Signature? It's really up to individuals to grow their career and make sure they have mastery. One of the things I'm finding a lot is people want to move ahead when they get know just enough. And I think there's an, we're missing that element of mastery. And so what, what we said in this career pathing class that we put together was that it needs to be associate-led. Associates need to be in the driver's seat. If I tell people on my team, if you're expecting me to drive your career, I'm a distracted driver. I'm, I'm like texting and driving at this point. It's not good. But if I'm, if, but if you're driving your career, I'm going to support you in the driver, in the passenger seat and t- make sure you're going on the right way. Make sure you're not straying off into the wrong neighborhoods. I'm going to do that. I can pay attention to that while I'm texting, but you got to drive. You got to decide what you want to learn. You got to decide what value you're going to add. And I say this over and over again to people on my team, you rise in organizations when you solve more complex problems. What complex problems are you solving? And, and the more complex they get, the higher you're going to go in the organization. And that's the piece that I think people need to really master and understand. It isn't, I'm doing my job really good now, and now it's time for me to be promoted because I did a good job here. No, it's about, I need to be able to, to account for that for that role and that salary with a, with bigger problems getting solved. And that's, I just think that that's a really important piece that people don't understand in career pathing and don't understand as they start to work on their careers and why it's in the signature way to run to problems, run to challenges, because that's how you grow your career. Chris, you ran to a challenge with Flames XM. I don't think that's what you were hired to do. <laughs> and you ran to a challenge that... <laughs> That and you you the and you've solved more and more complex problems as this platform has grown and developed and matured and that's that's the key to really awesome career development and you've mastered pieces along the way and I think we underestimate mastery right now. I agree with that. And I think another another practical piece to that is if you have your mindset on where you want to go, right. Go talk to the people who are there or even above that role and say, what do I need to know? What do I need to learn? What do I need to master 
to fit into this position to bring the most value to what you need. Because so often we see an opportunity and we go after it, but we don't know what we need to know to be part of it. And then we feel rejected. But the, the real reality of it is, is if you know where you want to go, find out what you need to know and then learn it. Take responsibility for that learning so that when the opportunity comes up, you can slide right in and it's a natural fit. Yeah, that's really wise, Chris. And I like to say you have to be it before you become it. And, and so oftentimes when people want to pivot to a different division or, or make a career shift or move for whatever reason, it's like, well, well, how did you gain the information you need to do that next position? And how can you gain it now? And by the way, here's what I love. Education and knowledge is as cheap and accessible now as it's ever been in the history of the world. There is nothing that you can't learn with a library card or a free seminar or classes that are available to you online. I got several certifications that cost me like 60 bucks and a lot of late nights, but nevertheless, the information was practical and applicable to where I wanted to grow as a professional in my career and in my vocation. And so I love that concept of you have to be it before you become it because you can't just become it. I mean, a lot of folks will say, hey, you know, I can do anything. I know I can. I just need to become it. And then you teach me how to be it. And unfortunately, at the speed of business, that model doesn't work as well anymore. You really have to gain that knowledge first, be it, and then you become it. And if you follow that simple principle, oftentimes what we see is success. People are able to aspire and achieve for greater levels of career success than they ever thought were possible because they, they learned that fundamental rule of, well, you know, this is going to cost me some time, maybe a little bit of scratch. You could go out and get a college degree if you want. But I'm just saying in this day and age, it's not necessary. The information is available for everybody to have. Yeah, I was on vacation last week and I was reading a book called Limitless by Jim Quick. And if you haven't read it and you're, you're looking to level up, it's a good place to start because he lays out some great steps for how to improve your ability to learn how to use your mind in a way so that as you do go down and, and garner more information, more knowledge, you can do it more efficiently, more effectively. So if you haven't read Limitless, it's a great book to plug into. That's really good. And Chris, not only is that Limitless probably a whole nother discussion that we could talk about because right. Jim Quick and, and how he trains the brain to learn is amazing. And, and that's a really great book. But also you, you learned some lessons from the Navy SEALs here recently. Would you like to kind of unpack some of the, the learnings that you had from that? Yeah, so I read an article by Jessica Stillman for Inc. And it was really all about how do Navy SEALs make it through this incredibly difficult training program that they go through and specifically a week called Hell Week, which is essentially they're up all week long, like no sleep, people screaming at them, gunfire, or just nonstop stress, all about just the next activity, working out like the entire time. And some research that she did on how do people make it through because the dropout rate for the SEALs program is like 75%, right? Like most people don't make it through. The, some of the things she highlighted in her article are those that don't make it through are typically those who on Tuesday of the week go, it's only Tuesday. How am I going to make it through the rest of this week? 
like this. I'm exhausted. I'm stressed out. I'm, you know, I got bumps, bruises, cuts, scratches, whatever it is. How do I make it through the rest of this week? And the people who start looking ahead at all the hard things they have to accomplish are typically the ones who mentally check out. Their mindset is now affected and they're no longer focusing on accomplishing the current tasks. They're worried about the hypothetical future. And so what Jessica recommended and what she she garnered from other Navy SEALs who did successfully make it through was to develop tunnel vision for the problem that they're on and just hone in on what is it I need to accomplish right now. And I can say that that's really effective in tackling difficult situations. I know we've done that with Claims XM. And there is always a laundry list of activities that have to be accomplished, right? For processing the claims, for maintaining you know, the status quo, for adding in new interfaces, new programs. We're always enhancing the system. There's so much to do all the time. And my team, they're, they're all working on all these different things. But there's constantly situations that arise where we need to put everything else aside and focus on this one thing until it's fixed. And I, I can tell you that those are the situations where we make tremendous strides forward or we accomplish something great in a short amount of time by focusing down in. And when you're doing that, one other piece of encouragement I'll add to the article is focus on past successes. What are we trying to accomplish now? Is it hard? Yes, it's hard. Have we done it before or something else that's difficult? Yes, we have. Okay, we can get this done too. So really a great article. I recommend it. It's called The Navy SEAL's Secret to Exceptional Endurance by Jessica Stillman. It's a real quick read, five minutes or less. If you have time, look it up. Chris, that sounds cool. I need you to know, um, I would make it exactly eight minutes into Navy SEAL Hell Week. That, right. is, that <laughs> is not where I would. But we had Alden Mills, who was a Navy SEAL, come to campus about a year and a half ago. And I'll never forget his Hell Week story because he said it was so bad, so bad. And his buddy wanted to quit. And he told his buddy, what if you just stay the afternoon with me? And he just kept biting it. And they, as a community, just kept telling each other, what if we just did two more hours? What if we just did? And he said, and he also said that while they were sitting in the beach with their arms locked at night and the cold water was coming up, that all the officers were like drinking hot cocoa, telling them that they could like have coffee in the back if they just gave up. And he goes, you had to tell yourself that wasn't true. No one's getting hot chocolate if they drop out of hell week. And so I just think that the stories you tell yourself and then who having that person with you that's going to say, I'm not going to leave you for the next two hours. Let's just do it. Those and are two super powerful words. What if, right? Because huh? it, it changes your mindset to, okay, what if I do work out every day for the next six weeks? What if I do pursue that? You know, mm -hmm. it changes your vision to the success rather mm -hmm. than focusing on the failure. It's so powerful. It's not crazy till it happens, right? Right. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah. And one of the things tying both of those kind of concepts together that we've been talking about is this idea of mindset, right? And I read an article um, that was about instead of quiet quitting that we're hearing a lot of, and a lot of that's based on those expectations, all this stuff that Johnny brought up, and it, it's actually called quiet thriving. And what I loved about this article is it took me to a place where all of a sudden I recognized the mindset shift that it takes. Instead of looking at all the things that have gone wrong, how hard it's been, why I didn't get my expectations met, all of a sudden I start to kind of curate a different mindset and take different actions. But instead of quiet quitting, what if we all committed to, you know, thrive at work and quietly thrive? What does that look like? Well, there's a couple of things. And one of them, I think, ties in 
to Chris, your article on the Navy SEALs, and that's really that we need to connect to a larger story or at Signature, it's connecting to our mission. And when we understand that the work we're doing today impacts the future of an entire organization, something internally inside of us comes alive. And so I think that advocating for a cause or connecting to a larger mission is one of those really key critical points that we can do. The, the other part, Chris, that, that you talked on is when you start in a role, how many organizations give you permission to begin to craft your job? And I think here at Signature Performance, we have story after story that individuals have been able to craft that job based on the needs of the organization. Can I give an example? Please do. Addison Stoddard. Producer I mean, Addison. He, he is he one of the greatest examples of crafting. See, when, when COVID hit, several years ago, and we went to a remote kind of situation. It happened really quick. I mean, our teams responded so quick to the pandemic. Communication teams were set up. We dispersed. We, we wanted our associates to be safe so that they could thrive at work. Addison saw a problem, and that was connecting individuals. And so what did he do? He learned. He went to school. He figured out, how do I connect our company through video? Through this time period, Signature Live, this podcast we're talking on now, and a number of different programs spawned. And the core of that has been some of his hard work in becoming proficient in how to deliver that technology and how to connect humans on that platform. He solved the problem. He saw a problem and he solved it. He did. He did. There's other, there's other components to this that are so important, but the last one too, we talked a lot about, and it came up at Qualtrics too, and it's that cultivating a best friend at work. And we just did an entire podcast on this. But again, it's one of those things that if individuals want to thrive and quietly thrive at work, start by making a connection. Find that person that's going to say, let's make it two more hours. It takes a little bit of courage to do that, though, doesn't it? I mean, like, just in we're so virtual now, and a lot of us are remote, and that's just fine. You can have virtual coffee together, like, just yeah, set up yeah. a time. Let's, hey, if you have 10 minutes on Friday, you know, whenever your slow periods are, let's just sit down on a video call and have coffee together. Just talk about whatever. I have yet to find someone say, no, I don't want to do that. People want to be asked, they're just afraid to ask others. So fill yeah. that void in people's lives. Team, before we wrap up, I, we, I think we're neglecting to talk about tomorrow, which is a holiday in my house. The Ted Lasso premiere is back <laughs> tomorrow. Uh, cue the music. Cue the music. <laughs> Can we please? Can we, on the next podcast, devote just a couple of minutes to talk about the Ted Lasso? And this is a warning to all our listeners. Watch the premiere so you can listen to our podcast so we can at least say a little bit about Ted Lasso. I was looking at my calendar going, there's no holiday tomorrow. <laughs> I thought I forgot something. Amy's <laughs> husband's a veteran. So I was like, and so am I. And so I was like, hey, wait a minute here. Ted gotcha. Lasso premiere day, y'all. All right. So so that'll be our takeaway. Look, not every day has to be so hard. But when it comes to making those connections, Chris, to your point, just to wrap that up, it is hard. And and yet you can't wait. Here's the excuse I hear most as a coach. It's, well, I really want to connect. Amy, I'm using you as an example. I really want to connect with Amy, but she's so busy. See, connection pushes past that. Find a time she's not so busy. Ask. 
just be brave and say, hey, look, I really would like to connect. This is important to me. Can we make some time to do that? Sometime in the next couple of weeks, I guarantee you can do that. But that's, again, that individual accountability to make sure that you're doing that. Because instead of quiet quitting, we can all change our mindset to quiet thriving. And then finally, we'll wrap up a great to do. Watch Ted Lasso. See what we glean from it. Hope it's good. But I think the, the first couple seasons are any, any taste of what it is. Boy, there's a lot we can learn about leadership in life through that Ted Lasso. So we'll, it'll be interesting to check that out. Friends, this has been really fun. It's been a good couple of weeks, and I always enjoy my time getting together with you. Thank you, Amy. Thank you, Chris. This has been an exhilarating conversation. And to all of our listeners out there, we look forward to connecting with you next week. And at least in part, part of the subject will be about the premiere of Ted Lasso. And so if you can watch it and clue in, let's just talk a little bit about that on the Ted Lasso cast. Team, thanks so much for your time, your thoughts. As always, I'm walking away a better leader because of this conversation. Bye. Thank you, Mark. Thanks, Amy. Bye, everyone. Signature Performance is the foremost leader in healthcare administration. Your work advancing our mission is transforming healthcare in the U.S. Signature is bringing together the best and brightest in healthcare. Discover opportunities at www.signatureperformance.com careers and be inspired to build an uncommon career that matters.